for him are angels guarding the consequences of his deeds before him and behind him who guard him by Allah's command. Surely Allah changes not the condition of a people until they change their own condition. And when Allah intends evil to a people, there is no averting it and besides him they have no protector. The next verses from chapter or so next verses are from chapter 61 verses 1 to 3. Sabahalillahi maafis samawati wa maafil ard wa huwal azizul hakeem Ya ayyuhal lazina amanu lima taquluna ma la taf'aloon Kabura Maktan in Wallahi Antakulu Mala Tafaloon. Whoever is in the heavens, sorry, whatever is in the heavens and whatever is in the earth glorifies Allah, and He is the mighty, the wise. O you who believe, why say you that? which you do not. It is most hateful in the sight of Allah that you say that which you do not do. We have had a lot of uproar in the recent weeks and months because of the killings in Paris. And uh, there was a panorama interview about uh, <coughs> these killings and you probably saw question time last night on which this issue was raised and we've, ha we've had a lot of Muslim websites sending emails and articles, etc. And in those, amazing comments have been made. One complaint has been constant and consistent, that is, that why are these people doing whatever it is? Now, it seems to me that this refers to the first verse of the Holy Quran and that is that we don't want to change ourselves but we want others to change their societies and themselves for our sake. And we think that that will somehow make the position of Muslims better. Well, God says it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. You have to change yourself 
and once you change yourself God will create a situation in which circumstances will change and become better. Now if we look at the life of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, Muslims didn't sit around crying about how they were being treated. They improved themselves morally, spiritually and carried on with the work of what you might call or what Jesus called creating the kingdom of heaven on earth. But we want, don't want to do anything ourselves, improve ourselves spiritually, improve ourselves morally, but we want the world to do things for us. You see the reason, main reason for these cartoons is what our Sunni brothers believe and this is what leads to this denigration and insults of the Holy Prophet Muhammad. We know Sunnis believe that punishment of blasphemy is death. Why? Because Sharia says so. Well, what is Sharia? There is no such thing as Sharia. The Holy Quran mentions punishment for only about four things that I can think of off the top of my head. So where have all these other punishments come from? The Holy Prophet expanded on the verses of the Holy Quran, but the main part of Sharia, which is books upon books upon books consisting of thousands of pages, consists of the interpretations of the Holy Quran and the Holy Prophet's actions by jurists who came later. We know of the four great Imams, Imam Abu Hanifa, Malik Hanbal, etc. And then those minor ones who further expanded what these Imams had written. So the greater part of Sharia is not cast in stone. It is just as man-made as anything that I would say. I am not saying that I am as great as any one of the four Imams or even their students. But they, they, they were greater in their learning of Arabic and, and, and the Quran and, and, and so, uh, so on. And of course they were closer to the events as well compared to me. <coughs> but most of the Sharia is man-made. Sharia doesn't say anything about driving the right hand side of the road or left hand side of the road. Sharia doesn't say anything about going through a red set of traffic lights. Sharia doesn't say anything about uh, putting your seat belt on. Sharia doesn't say anything about whether heroin is allowed or not, or chirso, ganja and, 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 and all of these other things. So we have to ditch a huge part of Sharia because it is no, lo no longer relevant. At one stage English law said that you get up in the morning, you go to church and after church you spend, I think it was one hour or two hours practicing archery. 
Well, has anyone done that in the last sort of 1500 years or 1000 years? Perhaps the whole nation should be incarcerated in prison because they've been violating that law. According to English law, if you used makeup and you were married a servant of the, the crown, you were entitled to an automatic divorce because your wife was a painted woman and a harlot. Has anyone actually tried to invoke that in the family courts recently? Saying, I'm a civil servant, I work for, I don't know, the home office or foreign office or whatever. My wife uses makeup and false lashes, etc., uh, etc. Et so that should lead to an automatic divorce. A lot of these laws haven't even been repealed. They remain on the books. But if you go to a judge, the judge just laughs at you and says, this is nonsense and throws your case out of the court. And that is only sensible. That is only sensible. These great people, they codified Islamic law in the light of the situation, the circumstances, the knowledge, the science, the technology that was available to them. We have different things available to us now. So we have to go back and look at the principles enunciated by the Holy Quran and the Holy Prophet Muhammad. You see, we go after the detail. I'll give you one example. A man went to the Holy Prophet Muhammad and said, uh, when I die, I want to leave this all my money to charity. Holy Prophet said, don't. And then he went down and when he had reached about one third, the Holy Prophet said, yes, that is fine. You can leave one third of your property to charity. And then the Holy Prophet made the statement of the principle. He said, there is no goodness in giving all your property to chari charity and leaving your family destitute. Now, using that principle in that context, that it was okay for that man to leave one third of his property to charity. We've forgotten the principle. It's, there's no goodness in leaving your uh, family destitute. And we've lashed on to that one third. You cannot give more than one-third of your property <coughs> to charity. Well, let me give you an example. A man has 3,000 pounds. If he leaves one-third of that, that's 1,000 pounds to charity, leaving behind 2,000 for his wife and children, do you think he is leaving them destitute or not? Of course he is leaving them destitute. It's not even going to pay for his funeral expenses. So are you going to say he has complied with Islamic law? No, he shouldn't be leaving anything to charity. But we've forgotten the principle, but latched on to the detail. In that man's circumstances, one third was sufficient. What about Bill Gates? He and he he is the richest man in the world, a multi-billionaire. Let's assume he owes assets worth nine billion dollars. 
and he says, I'm leaving one billion dollars for my family and eight billion dollars for charity. You will say, well, that's more than one third. Yes, it is more than one third. But is he leaving his family destitute? I should think if he gave me one million dollars, I could happily live on that. But and this is this has become the difficulty of the Muslim world that we cannot be bothered to look for the principle. We look for numbers, half of this, a third of that, two thirds of this. And we pursue those numbers. And the same thing applies. I have given this example because it is an easy example to give. But the same thing applies to denigration of the Holy Prophet Muhammad. Do you think that people did not poke fun at, uh, at the Holy Prophet Muhammad during his own lifetime? Do you think people did not denigrate him during his own lifetime? What examples do we give? The examples we give is, he used to pass by a house and every day a woman would throw her household rubbish on his head and call him names. And he would not take any revenge, he would not even say anything in reply, he would just walk by. And one day she did not and next day she did not and on the second or third day he knocked on, on her door and said, are you okay? Now, what is the point of giving that example, if you are then going to go and kill people? We proudly say, and Madhi Hassan did this yesterday on, on, on question time, he said the Holy Prophet Muhammad was the person who when he entered Makkah at the head of an army having conquered the city where he was humili humiliated, tortured, his friends and followers tortured and murdered, brutally murdered. They would tie the legs of a Muslim to two different camels and then run them off in different directions so that these people, they weren't beheaded, they weren't killed with an arrow, they were literally torn apart. Now, what did he do? Did he exact any revenge? Did he kill anyone? Did he hang anyone? A few people were afraid and ran away. The Holy Prophet forgave everyone. The Holy Prophet forgave everyone. And even those who had run away, when they heard about his mercy and his kindness, they came back and they fell at his feet and they asked for pardon. Now, do you think that would have happened if he would killed the people who had subjected him to these trials and tribulations, not for one year, not for two years, but over a decade or nearly a decade? And, but we have this, these amazing statements. This Muslim website that sends me an article every day, says, yes, we cannot deny that the Holy Prophet forgave those who tortured him, those who abused him, those who denigrated him, those who poked fun at him. We cannot deny that he forgave them. But listen to the next sentence. But that door closed with, with his death. This is very odd, you see. 
and this goes to the to the next verse of the Holy Quran about contradictions between saying things and doing things. We are told to follow the example of the Holy Prophet Muhammad and you will attain to heaven. God says this in the Holy Quran, obey Allah and obey the Prophet. But in this particular instance we are being told, yes we know the Holy Prophet did this, there are examples of this galore in Islamic history, but we are not going to do it. So this particular example of the Holy Prophet Muhammad you don't follow. Well, what makes you say that? Where is the evidence for that? Is there anywhere in the Holy Quran? The Quran says obey Allah and obey the Prophet. This is why there is so much fuss about lengths of beards and how far the trousers should be above your uh, ankles when you uh, uh, pray and God knows what else. About pray time and Ramadan and fasting and you name it. But this most potent action that would send a message about humanity of Islam, about humanity of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, we are told, well, the door to that is closed. What does the Quran say? The Quran says when someone denigrates you, your religion, you don't answer them back. I mean, forget about killing them or slapping them or punching them. It says don't even answer them, just move away from them, go away, leave them alone, ignore them. See, let's think about what we're trying to achieve. Someone has published these cartoons of the Holy Prophet Muhammad I think that action is beyond contempt. It is, I see no relevance to freedom of speech, to insulting people and I gave you examples last week of where is the freedom of speech. The law of every country puts restrictions on, 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 on freedom of speech, but what is our objective? Our objective is to stop that thing, okay? That's what we are trying to achieve. By killing these people, have we stopped it? A magazine that was regarded as mediocre and juvenile, a magazine that barely published 50, 60,000 uh, copies a month. This month it printed 3 million copies and it ran short and it printed 2 million more copies. It united the whole of the non-Islamic Western world against Islam and against Muslims. They all went out, you saw them in Paris, well, come on, kill us all. Are we going to kill them all? That magazine is now going to have an issue being printed in English. I mean, talk about cutting off your nose to spite your face. We've never learned, and this is what the Quran says, God is not going to do anything for you unless you change yourself. Rushdi wrote a book, a terrible book. It is an absolutely appalling book. And I'm not talking about because of the things he said in that, that's a side issue. It is the world's most boring book. 
If you can't go to sleep, I've got a copy somewhere, I'll give it to you, read it. And I bet you, you won't even have finished the first page before you'd fall asleep. I tried reading it, that's how I know. Now, it was being withdrawn from bookshops because no one read it. And what did we do? Imam Khomeini published a fatwa, this, this man should be killed. And what happened? That book sold in tens of millions. It got translated into 50 languages or so. So what's the point of doing things that actually take us away from the objective what we're trying to achieve? And we do this over and over again. And I don't, don't understand this. You see, the, the, another email from this, the same website which said uh, that uh, uh, the Holy Prophet used to forgive people who tortured him, insulted him, etc. and that door is closed. The same website sent another article which said, oh, Allah will curse those who abuse the Holy Prophet. And that's in, in this world and in the hereafter, uh, I think the verse goes something like this. Now, and they say that's the justification for killing someone. But couldn't God have revealed a verse saying, if someone abuses the Holy Prophet or God, you go and kill him? The verse doesn't say that. The verse doesn't give any human being the authority to go and kill anyone. It says Allah will. God will do it. You leave it to him. Then God will humiliate them in this world and the hereafter. But God has told you what to do. This is a clear instruction in the Holy and you've turned it on its head. And you said, because God is going to uh, 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 punish these people, I'm going to uh, punish them on his behalf. Well, God has said about many people that they'll burn in, uh, in the fires of hell, so why don't you dig a pit in the back of your garden and light a fire in it and start throwing people in it? You see, it, it's this arrogating yourselves to the dignity and might of Godhead that you need to, uh, that you need to stop. And there's example after example. Leaders of one particular country marched arm in arm with David Cameron and the French president and whoever else uh, was there in, in Paris. And what was happening back in their own countries? They had charged a man with blasphemy. And what was the blasphemy? It was nothing against God. It was nothing against the Holy Prophet Muhammad. It was nothing against Islam. That man had the arrogance and temerity to criticize the religious leaders, the clerics of his country. So he was arrested. His blog was shut down. For the next, I think it's eight weeks or so, every week he's going to be lashed 50 times. Is he then going to be allowed to go home? No, 
he is going to be put in prison for 10 years and even then he will not be let out until he pays some horrendous fine. What is God saying in the Holy Quran? Why do you say things that you do not do? You are telling people, you are marching and saying there is freedom of expression and what you are doing yourself is actually totally contrary to what you are uh, telling people you believe in. And this is what brings Islam into disrepute. You say to people, Islam is a religion of peace, Islam is a religion of mercy, Islam is a religion of all people living together, whatever their religion is, and they throw these things in your face. And they simply ask you a question. You know, if Islam is this religion, surely you would be the first ones doing these things. So either it's not a religion of peace, or you know, and, 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 and you're lying to us by telling us it's a religion of peace, or it's not being able to modify your own character. As someone said to a Muslim, you are telling me that if I become a Muslim, I will become a better person. He said, look at Muslims who are born in Islam. From the time they are born, when they have azan called out in their ear, to the time they die, they are taught Islam and they say they are acting upon Islam. If Islam has failed to make them into better human beings, how will it make me a better human being? And you have no answer to that. I remember many years ago, my mum went into uh, the staff room in her school where she was a teacher and uh, one of her colleagues was sitting there looking very upset. And my mum said, what is the matter? And she said, well, my daughter has taken up smoking. So my mum said, why don't you tell her not to smoke? And she said, how can I? I smoke myself. See, the, these injunctions of the Holy Quran, why do you say things that you do not do? You can apply them at a personal level up to the national level. But I go back to what I started off with, and that is that unless Muslims take a scalpel to this, what they call Sharia, which does not actually exist and bring it up to date to deal with the, with the issues and problems of this day and age. They will continue to feel, find that they are humiliated and their prophet and religion is insulted. If only Allah would give our brothers the wisdom to see this.